Amen. Thank God. God is your king today. Amen. We are a child of the king. And that's a blessing. We know we don't deserve it. And uh, it's only by God's grace. Uh, it's all possible because we are loved by God. Isn't it? So our message today is uh, entitled, uh, Two Loves. Sa Tagalog, Dalawang Pag-ibig, Dalawang Pagmamahal. And actually, uh, we'll take a break from our uh, Romans series. Uh, we'll have something light this afternoon. And now, uh, sometimes it's uh, hard to, to preach and teach in the afternoon since uh, every Sunday we're having a feast, you know. We always enjoy the lunchtime. So once again, thank you for all our brethren for bringing those sumptuous meal and food. Kite order lang, amen. It comes from the heart. We enjoyed it. But those who made it, prepared it, wake up early and cook, uh, we appreciate your generosity, kindness, and uh, we truly enjoy it. Uh, what kind of church you can find here in Bergen County, isn't it? You already feed spiritually, you also feed uh, physically, amen? amen? So thank you, thank you, brethren, for your uh, love, for your uh, involvement in our fellowship ministry. So uh, our passage of scripture is found in Luke chapter 10. Verses 25 to 37. Actually, I'm just going to continue and finish what uh, I shared during our love banquet. If you still remember, um, once again, our fellowship committee did a great job feeding us a full course meal. You know, I don't know if you're here, but if you're not, you missed it. And let me do this. If Pastor Abel unbuttoned his shirt a while ago, I will loosen my tie because I gained some weight from uh, all these fellowships, you know. Even yesterday, I was not even in the latest fellowship, but my wife lovingly gave me a, a, a package of food. And I said this morning, I thought like it was my birthday. It was complete as spaghetti. It has that uh, sweet uh, dessert. Biko, you know. Has, uh, once there's spaghetti, you feel like it's your birthday, you know, because <laughs> you always have that in the Philippines, either pancit. Or spaghetti. And there's uh, other stuff, and I truly enjoyed it. Me and Brother Lino, we were eating it to our heart's content. So, um, pa uh, is that okay? You pardon my appearance? You know, so because I, I can't really breathe too. So, uh, but we're blessed, amen? So, if you can stand with me, uh, let's open our Bibles in the book of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. There's parallel um, cross-reference for this. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40. I don't know about you, but uh, whenever come, I ever uh, come to church, I always enjoy uh, the teaching of God's word. Amen? Amen. Uh, we enjoyed our Sunday school this morning, our Sunday school this afternoon. And um, sometimes you uh, can't help but listen to the other side of the aisle with their Sunday school lesson and their uh, memor memorization. I, I think the guys... The men, we need to also do some memory work. I, I think they are able to memorize 1 Corinthians 13. Isn't it? The greatest chapter definition about love. So if we can do John 11, 30, uh, uh, Psalms 23, guys. <laughs> there you go. How do, how do you pattern your memory verse? Like you have a set to, or randomly you pick one chapter, you know? Are we, oh, there you go. That's... That's the best answer, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll find the shortest chapter, guys, and we'll memorize it next Sunday. Uh, I think it's Psalms 100-something, yeah. So 117, there you go. Not 119, okay, not 119. Well, 
It's good to hear God's word. Amen. Being read, being memorized, being meditated upon. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Uh, we'll read it all together. All right. We'll read it all together. Oh, let's just do this. Let's read it responsibly because I think I always do it all together. So just a little change. I'll read verse 25. You do 26. Then we will read verse um, 37 all together. If you're there, say amen. amen. For our virtual uh, worshipers there's, uh, in the screen, or I hope you have your Bibles with you, please read with us. Beginning verse 25, I begin. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, or test Christ, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, take note, brethren, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Altogether, and he said, he that had showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your words that we just read and meditated upon. Thank you, Lord, that truly your words are words of life. And they leave it and abide it forever. And we are wise to invest in them, to hear them, to uh, put them in our hearts. And most of all, Lord, live them out. And thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Because of that, we are here today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your people who had come, who continues to desire to hear from thee. Uh, keep us safe as we have this Bible study, this worship. And if there's a spiritual need, that we have today, and we all have one, Lord. May we uh, be able to uh, see and, and know uh, what your will in our life is, O oh Father. And once again, we humble ourselves before you. Personally, I ask for your cleansing, forgiveness for any sins and iniquities, trespasses that I have committed against you in my thoughts, in my words, in my deeds. Cleanse me with the precious blood of Christ. Hide me behind the cross and help us, Lord, to... Uh, be attentive and be uh, focused on what you want us to hear and uh, save the lost and revive our hearts this afternoon. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And uh, as I said a while ago, this passage of scripture is also being seen 
in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40, when Christ asked a question, which is the great commandment in the law? And if you notice in your Bibles, uh, verse 27 is in capital letters, isn't it? If you have a study Bible, like I do here, uh, the words of Christ are in red to differentiate that it's Christ who is talking. And then when you see in your Bible things that are capitalized, it's telling us that it is a direct quotation from the Old Testament. All right? So here in verse 27, it's quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, what Moses had uh, declared to the children of Israel. So the, the question there is, which is the great commandment in the law? As we know, we have the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Given by God through Moses in Mount Sinai after they were in Exodus in Egypt for 400 years and God sent Moses as a great deliverer. And then they're supposed to be able to journey from Egypt all the way to Horeb to the Promised Land in just approximately 11 to 40 days, but because of their disobedience, rebellion, and idol worship, as we found in the scripture, and their uh, stubbornness, stiff neck, hard-hearted heart, God has to discipline them and chastise them, and they start wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They were already in the bridge of going to the promised land. As we studied in the 26th of our Friday Joint Bible Study, they were about to conquer it, but they sent the spies. Ten gave bad report, remember? And two gave good report, Joshua and Caleb. And they said, we can conquer the land. We can claim the promise of God. But the other ten spies says, no, we can't. We, we have great enemies in that place. There's giants. There's Shaquille O'Neal there, you know? And we are just, you know, abarientos, if you know that basketball player, you know. And we're just grasshoppers in their side. They are walled cities. We can't. So they lack faith. So we, we know the story from 21 under, they made it to the promised land. But from 21 above, those who, you know, did not believe God, they perished wandering in the wilderness. But before they were wandering in the wilderness, God gave them the ten Commandments, the two tablets of stones through his prophet, his deliverer, Moses, found in Genesis chapter 6, or Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it's called also the Decalogue, all right, because deca, decade is 10, so Decalogue is the Ten Commandments. But you know what? For the Pharisees and scribes, they reinterpreted the Ten Commandments and all the laws that were given to them in the book of Genesis and Deuteronomy the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, they came up to up to 613 laws that a good Jew has to obey. See, just 10 is already hard enough, isn't it? Because 10, you can divide it. The first half is our duties, responsibilities to God. Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. And the second half mainly is our duties, responsibilities toward our fellow men. So God and man, our responsibilities to them, the commandments of God. But we can summarize the Ten Commandments when Christ answered the lawyer in our text. See, that's a good vocation. It's biblical, amen? Lawyer. I wish one of our kids here will be lawyer. But not liar, okay, but just a good lawyer, all right? Or an attorney or an advocate, isn't it? Uh, I think you have to be talkative to be a lawyer, isn't it? 
You have to be garrulous. You have to be uh, have a strong personality, you know, or like bold and courageous with words because you have to defend people, isn't it? You have to offend them and defend them sometimes, isn't it? If you are prosecuting an uh, attorney or a defend, defending author, attorney, isn't it? It depends, but I heard they make a lot of money, isn't it? Because here in New Jersey, it's easy to sue, you know? You can sue for anything here, which is sad. <laughs> But it was summarized into two, the Ten Commandments. Love God and also love your neighbor. And our message in that banquet is how to love one another, our neighbor. Then Christ states that all the law hangs on these two commandments. This means that loving God and our neighbor is the foundation of all moral responsibility. Amen? Do you believe that? Loving God. And loving each other, loving our neighbor, is the foundation of all moral responsibility in this world. For example, a man who loves God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength will never take God's name in vain. Amen? He will never place anything above God in his affection. He will not have no other gods before him, no idols. He will remember the day of the Lord to keep it holy and rest and worship and go to church. Amen? If he loves God, if you love your neighbor in the other side, ask yourself, you won't lie to him. You know, you won't steal his possessions. You won't cheat in business. You won't violate his or her marriage. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll never do anything to intentionally hurt him or her. You see, that's why all the commandments hangs on these two. It's summarized. In these two, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And we know these elements are increasingly rare in our society. We tend to live with an attitude of extreme privacy these days. How many of you know the names of your neighbors? In 12 feet radius. Huh? Yes, we have social media that's supposed to connect us with each other. We have technology that's co supposed to connect us to each other, but it seems like it makes us farther to each other <laughs> because the personal contacts now communication is being abolished. So there's a good side and a bad side of technology. We're now like living uh, on a remote island, only separated from others by a few yards. Our society increasingly acts as if men owe nothing to their neighbors. We think only of our own lives, ignoring the needs of others. To illustrate this, there's the story of David Cash. I think I have a slide here. I tried to Google him. Uh, this happened in 1997 in the state of Nevada. There was a time during that time that David Cash and a friend, Jeremy Stromayer. I don't know if Brother, Brother Joe uh, knows about this. Um, they were in Las Vegas. Strohmeyer followed a seven-year-old Cherise Iverson. There you go. That's her picture. Into a bathroom in a casino and began to physically assault her. Cash, the friend, came upon the scene, made a half-hearted attempt to intervene, and then left the girl to her faith. Not only did he fail to stop the assault, but he also chose not to report it. On their way home that night, a straw mayor told Cash he had raped and killed the little girl. He still Cash kept quiet. 
Police finally caught up with Strohmeyer and he pleaded guilty to all charges. Cash is off the hook. Nevada has no law requiring people to report a crime. So this story, real story that happened here in America has appalled and outraged many Americans. But in an interview with Los Angeles Times, Cash defended his non-involvement. Without a trace of remorse, he said, I'm not going to get upset over someone else's life. I just worry about myself first. I don't think of it. I did not really know her. Shameful, isn't it? What an attitude. And you know, Strohmeyer is uh, still living today. He was the... Uh, uh, no, no parole, four uh, lifetime imprisonment, four-year life. So even if he lives to, you know, 100 years old, he's still going to be in prison. Four years of a lifetime of imprisonment because of what had happened to this poor little girl. Tragic, isn't it? Horrible. But look at that reaction of that guy named David Cash. Uh, little did I know not all David are good Davids, isn't it? But this afternoon, I want us to consider what it means to love God and love our neighbor because all of moral responsibility hinges on these two affections. So two basic outline. First, loving God and loving our neighbor. Amen? Just a continuation. First is love God. Thank God. God is not just someone we worship and serve. He's also someone that we know. Aren't you glad with that, folks? God is somebody that we know personally. You know, Hindus worship millions of God, 380 million. And how can we know all those gods? Small letter G. They have a God for everything. Cows are even God. And they're starving and they cannot eat a good solid steak or hamburger. Because that might be your uncle or auntie who was reincarnated and went to that cow. They're holy animals. Can't eat them. No. Won't, it won't do in the Philippines. Amen? The people will be fat. The cows will be skinny. Amen? It's good hamburger. You know? Medium rare. With a good sauce. You know? We believe what the Bible says. Give grace and it's done. And <laughs> enjoy it. Amen? Give grace to the food that gives, God gives you and enjoy it. But here, God is somebody that we know. Thank God. Because of the Bible and because of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that when God created us, He did not just say, okay, I'm done creating the universe. Be on your own. I'm going on a vacation. And He, let, he just leave us. No. He is still personally involved in our lives. We have a relationship with Him. God has shared His life with us. We love Him as we love any other person. So how do we love God? According to that verse of Scripture, like in Genesis, oh, Deuteronomy 6, 5, or Luke chapter 10, verse 27, first is we need to love Him passionately. It says there, that's the commandment, we should love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all thy heart. Thy heart here speaks of emotion, alright? There are times when you laugh aloud with God. Have you, know, have you done that lately? You laugh aloud with God? Or you're always serious with God? Huh? Don't you know that God has a good sense of humor? Actually, a great sense of humor. 
Because God created us in His image. There are features of God that we also have. You know? Of course, we have will, free will. We have emotion. We have intellect. Of course, we have these things that we, uh, God extended to us when He created us in His image, in His likeness. But just look at creation. God has a sense of humor. Look at the ostrich. Do, do they make you smile? They have such long necks, isn't it? And they can bury their head in the sand. And you can still see <laughs> their neck. <laughs> you look at the elephants, isn't it? God has a sense of humor. Um, look in the Bible, even Christ, in the times of the gospel when, um, you know, he revealed himself as the Messiah to Nathaniel, remember? He said to Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. That's kind of humorous. You know, Nathaniel could have not recognized him as the Messiah who knows everything if Jesus did not sarcastically <laughs> told him where he was before they even met at the first instance. You see, God has a good sense of humor because he wants us to be happy. He wants us to laugh every now and then. Sometimes when you look at the mirror and we look at our face, we sometimes laugh. I still remember what my wife said. She smiles, she laughs at when she sees me and my face. So that's a good thing, isn't it? At least I make her happy, you know? So there are times when we laugh aloud with God. Like, oh, Lord, thank you for, Lord, thank you for this winter. I don't have to shovel. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. You laugh with God. Thank you, Lord. It's your blessing. It's your provision, you know? Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there's a time to mourn or weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to be serious. There's a time to dance. Amen? Or be happy, be merry. There's a time for everything. There are times when you weep before the Lord and you know He understands your sorrow. You see? There are times when you shout and rejoice with God and He knows and He understands what you feel. There are times that, you know, we have this emotion and God can relate to what we feel. You know why? Because Christ came here on earth and became a man like us. I believe he loves too a lot when Christ was an, a teenager, isn't it? Maybe he's laughing with his siblings. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, you cannot keep up with me, you know? Because Mary and Joseph are always pleased with Jesus. Maybe Mary and Joseph were scolding Jesus' sibling and telling them, why don't you be like your brother Jesus? He always obey and respect, do things neatly. And probably they're saying, of course, he's the son of God. <laughs> Just ordinary human being. No. Actually, in the Bible, they didn't even believe that Jesus is the Messiah, isn't it? Jesus' own siblings doubted if he's the Messiah until after the resurrection, isn't it? But look at that. God knows us emotionally. That's why we need to love him passionately with all our heart. All here speaks of exclusiveness, all right? I have affections that belong exclusively to my wife, and I will never share it with any other woman, amen? Same here to all our husbands, amen? And vice versa to our wives. You are only exclusively belonging to your spouse, not anyone else, amen? Because when you made that vow, that oath of commitment in the marriage ceremony is not just for men and the witnesses, but between the presence of God. 
That's why marriage is still sacred. You are exclusively belonging to each other. That's why it's, it's sweet in our church to see our couples being sweet to each other. Inaanay na. Ay, inaanay. Nilalanggam na sa sweetness. Amen? I don't know if you enjoyed the, the bake sale a while ago. Um, I was in uh, the parsonage. I, I had to do something. And I think some of our, our, our teenagers were baking something. And you know, it's good because the smell already is already sweet. And they said, yes, we put extra. Extra chocolate there. All right. Extra sugar there. All right? That's good. So exclusive love. So it means when we love God with all our heart, it means that my first spiritual loyalty is supposed to be God. Amen? We need to be spiritually loyal to Him. That's why you can commit spiritual adultery when you love other things more than God. So not only love Him passionately, but also love Him personally. It says there, love God with all your heart and also the second phrase, with all thy soul. Thy soul here speaks of identity. And today we are living in a confused world. We have what we call, they say, the, the Christians say, gender dysphoria, gender confusion. I don't really know who I am. You know, when the Bible clearly and dogmatically teaches that there's only male and female that God created. And of course, the devil is the author of confusion. He wants to confuse men. He wants men to believe anything else, everything else but not what God says. So now we have how many genders now and counting? All right? So uh, if, if, if that's the truth, then, oh, we're in big trouble. We are actually in trouble right now, isn't it? So have you heard about that <clears throat> swimmer who claimed to be a woman, but he, he was biologically a man? But because he cannot win in the men's division, <laughs> he changed his gender he claimed to be a trans woman. So now he beats every woman in the sport. Of course, logically speaking, biologically speaking, you're built as a man. So it's not fair. It's not now competition. A lot of people are like complaining. You know? Why? Because if man is left to their own thinking, which is our thinking is evil and wicked because we have a sinful nature, if we are not regenerated, then we will be in confusion. But our identity is supposed to be with God as a Christian. You know, the soul is what gives us personality. That's why the next car you want to buy is Kia, because it says Kia Soul. That's free advertisement, all right? The soul is what gives us personality. So, because we are a tripartite being, isn't it? It's, as God is, you know, Three person in one God, that triunity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Since He created us in His image, we also are three parts. You know, body, soul, and spirit. See how God wise is? So, our soul is what gives us personality like our temperament, our likes, dislikes, our fears, our anxieties, our expressions of the soul. That's why when a person dies, it's a separation between the soul and the body. The, the body is the outward shell. It's that like your vehicle. So they will see who you are, your soul, so you can function. So that's why when the body, you know, died and the soul leaves the body and goes to heaven or hell, whatever you do to the body, isn't it? The body will not respond. Will not say, oh, that hurts. Oh, that feels good. Oh, I'm hungry. No. 
because the soul, the personality, the real person is not in that body anymore. But the spirit, it's dead when a person is still unsaved. Until he hears the gospel, the Bible says, you know, his spirit is made into a quickening soul. Our spirit is made alive through the power of the gospel. Now, our spirit can communicate with God. We can understand and know spiritual things. Because once we get saved, regenerated, our spirit now can commune with God. So we are made in three parts, as God is in three persons, but our soul is, speaks of our identity. And also the word all in that soul speaks of intimacy. We communicate on different levels. I don't bear as much of my soul or my personality with a stranger as I do to a friend. Same to you, isn't it? I'm more intimate with my family than with anyone else. I think I'm more intimate now with my kids, especially the youngest one. I, I know, I don't play favoritism. But, you know, kung may kakampi ka na, may, meron ka ng vote, of course, you know? Yeah, so I have someone on my side. I have someone to, uh, to uh, kulitin, you know, or uh, to uh, ask for favor. You bring out the garbage because my, my daughters won't give up, bring out the trash. They think it's the man's job to, isn't it, to do the, the trash. But what if the trash is already overflowing and there's fruit flies and it stinks? Do you have to wait for a man to throw the trash? Isn't it gross? The good feminist ideology, I can take the trash. I can take that. I can take care of that. Because we know of, we know of women who drives, you know, the waste management trucks, you know, and buses. Because they said, we can do whatever guys do. See? So throw the trash, girls. All right? <laughs> throw the trash, kids, wherever you are. <laughs> Have the initiative. Amen? Help out. We're all in the same house. We have to help each other. We are a team. Amen? Amen, kids? Don't wait for dad to, to come home or mom to come home to clean up. Amen? Be good kids. Be good kids because they're good to you. They're all good to us, our parents. You know, so God wants us to love him with all our soul on the deepest level of intimacy, holding nothing back. Okay, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were so intimate with God? Oh, those are one of the happiest most blissful moment of a Christian life. You know, your worship time be between God and you. Just you and God alone. You feel his love, his comfort, his peace. Like even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of confusion, of trials, of lacking, when you have the presence, the peace of God, that's some intimacy that you always would like to be. Isn't it? Your relationship with God. You see, we don't have to be afraid to be ourselves when we are worshiping and communicating with God. We need not worry about what others are thinking. We don't have to put on a mask or assume a false character when we come into God's presence. That's why, yes, we worship God when we come to church as a body of Christ. Amen? We worship God as a congregation, collective worship. But also, at the same time, God is looking at us individually. Is Brother Joe really worshiping me today, last Sunday of the month? Or he's just there because Sister June told him to go? <laughs> <You know? laughs> or, or, or am I here because, oh, Dad and Mom told me to go? She'll, she'll not give me allowance if I don't go to church. 
Or, or my friends will talk about me, you're not a good Christian because you don't go to church. You know? So, God knows our motives, isn't it? God knows our heart. We come here, yes, as a family. We come here as a collective body of Christ because it's Sunday. But most important, God looks at you personally, individually. Amen? So, we have to worship Him with all our heart as a person. You know, God wants to change our lives, but He can't do that until we are honest about what's inside. How can He remove a fear if we will not admit it? That's why we have to give Him our soul, love Him with all our soul. How can He remove, deliver us from bitterness or lust if we deny it? Just bear it all to God. You know, ask for His power, for His strength, for His forgiveness. Not until we come to God as we are, we will have the opportunity to live differently than we came. You know, that's my prayer always. Come to church as you are, but live change. Live differently, amen? By God's grace. By the word of God that's being taught and preached here. Letter C, number three, love him expressively. We see that phrase, with all thy strength. Love him with all thy heart. Love him with all thy Soul, now love him with all thy strength. Love him expressively. Love us to find a way to demonstrate itself. It makes you want to do something. Okay, we can say all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you. Mahal kita, mahal kita. Minam, mahal kita, minam. Ang pag-ibig ko sa'yo ay malaki. Alright? But if you don't accompany it with action, with works, then it's all words. Because the greatest demonstration of love is works, is action. Amen? And our example is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16, we know all that verse. Can we quote it together? Amen? For God so loved the world that He is only that whosoever should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? I mean, I think I have a slide here. God loves you this much. That's Calvary. Amen? That's the cross of Calvary. There God made the supreme sacrifice of love. He gave his very life. Does he have to do it? He doesn't have to. He can leave us the way we are and then God will not be less a lesser God. He'll still be God. No problem. But what prompts him to do? The unthinkable loved. I asked how much God loves me, and there you go. He stretched his arms wide and said, This much, and he died. He gave up the ghost. Jesus loved us to death. Amen. Truly, to the death of the cross, and we are forever grateful and thankful for that. That's what Calvary is all about. It shows us how far that God in love was willing to go to save a sinner. He deserves to be loved with all our strength. Amen. With all our strength. That's why it's not a, just a duty, a burden to go to church. Amen? It's not a duty and a burden to give. It's not a duty and a burden to witness to others. It's not a duty and burden to do good works and help others. If God loves us that much, then we can show love also to others. Number four, love Him intelligently with all thy mind. Alright? Passionately with all our heart. Personally with all our soul. And expressively with all our strength. Then... Also, love the Lord intelligently with all thy mind. This statement helps us avoid extremes. It keeps us balanced. 
Emotion must be balanced with truth. Amen? Experience should never take priority over the Word of God. Yes, somebody, anyone can claim they have an experience with God. Oh, I had a vision. I had a dream. Oh, God showed Himself to me and told me in verbatim, this is you're supposed to do. If it's contrary to the Word of God, the finished revelation of who God is and His will, then it's not truth. Amen? It's a makeup, isn't it? So, you know, we need to love Him intelligently. We must be gover governed by the facts of God's Word because emotion must be balanced with truth and also devotion must be guided by Scripture. Devotion must be guided by Scripture because you can be sincere, devoted to something, but if it is not from the Word of God, if it is not the truth, then baliwala, it's empty. It's vain. That's why we need to love God intelligently. So here, Jesus is reminding us that we are to love God the same way He loved us. We must not respond to God's wholehearted love with a half-hearted manner. And that's our problem. We all know the fact that God loves us wholeheartedly. But can we say we also love, love Him wholeheartedly? Not all the time, isn't it? That's why this, this commandment, who can, who can really do this? With everything I've got, I need to love God. In our own, we can't. Isn't it? Not the best pastor, not the best Christian, not the best missionary can do this apart from God's grace. Because if we rely on our strength, we can't. Because we tend to love ourselves. Isn't it? More than God. That's the reality. You know? I think Jesus is also telling us that until you love God as you should, you will never love others as you could. I think that is born out in our own experience. And here, for an example, with our nation that we're living in right now, with America, the more America became secular, the more America become less sensitive. Isn't it? The more we become secular, even in the Christian dome, the more we become less sensitive to love God and to love others. Secondly, and we'll close. Amen? Not only love God, but love others. Here we go. The principle here, if I were to ask you how you're going to love your neighbor or love others or your fellow men, probably all of us would give the same answer. Right answer. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it? But what does it mean? Let's keep it simple. If you love your neighbor, it means that you'll do for him or her whatever you will do for yourself. Amen? Correct? So when you have a need, you will try to meet that need of a neighbor. When you have a hurt, you'll attempt to heal it. When you have a responsibility, you attempt to fulfill it. When you have a prayer request, you'll pray for it. As you pray for yourself, you'll pray for others. We don't have to be taught to how to love our, ourselves. Amen? <laughs> it comes naturally. We're all experts of loving ourselves. You know, the trick is, take note of this, listen carefully. The trick is, or the idea is, to keep self-love from being selfishness. Yeah, the Bible says you need to respect yourself, isn't it? You need to love yourself. That's why we take a bath every day. Amen? Because you love yourself. Why do you think our teenagers put makeup? That the five-minute preparation for a guy 
is a 30-minute preparation for a lady. Amen? We are to be in waiting. Waiting. You know? Because they love themselves. And they love themselves too much that they need to spend time to make them look more lovable and more appealing and, you know? And it's natural. It's okay. It's okay. As long as you don't get too late going to school, amen? Or going to work, isn't it? You know, and, and, and everything is just focused on that. You know, it has to be balanced too, isn't it? But at times, can you just, can, can you just be natural? <laughs> I have to use the bathroom, you know? So, um, we don't have to taught how to love ourselves. It comes naturally, you know? The thing is, it becomes <laughs> negative, becomes corrupt when we love ourselves too much. It's all about me, isn't it? And we live in a, as I said, egocentric society. It's all about me. Do I look good in my account? Do I have a, lo a lot of likes? Do I have a lot of followers? Do I look presentable? Do I look like on the trend fashion? It's all about outward perception, isn't it? And we love that. Because that's humans, isn't it? We like attention. We like to be praised. We like to be noticed. You know? The trick is to keep self-love from becoming selfishness. We need to be constantly reminded that as we love ourselves, so are we to love others. Of course, there's self-preservation. It, it comes naturally. But if you really love yourself and love God, then you need to love others as yourself. So here, we'll close. We have to close. The parable. Now, I don't have to explain this, isn't it? Of the Good Samaritan. As we just read in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. When a certain lawyer stood up testing Christ, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, What written in the law? How written is thou? So does this mean if you obey the commandments, the Ten Commandments, you will be saved? You will inherit eternal life? But the problem is nobody has ever kept the law perfectly, obeyed it at all points, at all time. The law was given so we will know that we cannot please God through the law. The law was given so man will know that he is a sinner and need of the forgiveness of God. The law, as the Bible says in Galatians, is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So in order for you to inherit eternal life, you should see in the teaching of the law that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. And Savior is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to come to Him for forgiveness and salvation. That's why it says there, Christ answered that lawyer, supposedly, you know, uh, a doctor of the law. He knows about the Bible, about the Torah, and he said, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. You know, because he quoted from the Old Testament. But he, look at verse 20, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? Then Christ gave them a parable. As we know, a parable is an earthly common story with a heavenly spiritual meaning. This is one of the methods where Christ teaches truth to others. So a parable is the truth is concealed to those who are scoffers, but the truth is conveyed to those who are seekers. All right? Uh, some of the religious Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees just want to criticize, find fault with Christ. They don't, they're not really hungry for the truth, to know the truth. 
So God used, Christ used the parable to teach the ordinary people who wants to know the truth, to convey the truth to them, but to conceal to those who call themselves wise according to the law. All right? So this is one of the most familiar parables in the Bible. It does not need a lot of explanation. So we know the story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Don't you know that is a 17-mile uh, trek? And, and the elevation is downward, like 3,300 feet. So it's a, a great place where you can be ambushed. All right? According to the topography of this time, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell, the Bible says, among thieves, which stripped him at his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And we know the, the story of this. Even uh, this famous uh, evangelist, um, Franklin Graham, you know, I think the brother of Billy Graham. They have a, a Samaritan purse kind of uh, uh, ministry, yeah, uh, ministering to those who are in need, like tragic calamities and stuff. They call them their group a Samaritan kind of ministry. Is it Samaritan's purse? So they got it from this parable, the teaching from this parable. So first thing, your neighbor is anyone who needs help. Isn't it? You know, uh, the parable begins with just a certain man. A lot of things we don't know about this certain man, but it truly had happened. We are not given the name of this certain man or his standing in society. As far as we know, we even don't know if this man who was robbed was also a robber, a thief who was robbed by another thief. Isn't it? We don't really know. The Bible is not clear. As far as we know, you know, he was dealt by life very cruelly, he was left half dead and robbed during this time. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Sometimes, do you find yourself judging the worth of a man before you decide whether you're going to help that person or not? Like, let's be practical here. When we drive and we see a homeless person and they have that sign, <clears throat> Two pesos, uh, two pesos. Uh, anything will do, a dollar or this, or I'm a veteran or something like, you know, oh, I need milk for my baby, something like that. So do you roll down your, and in compassion as a Christian you give, or you just give a gospel track without nothing in it, you know? See? Do you judge that person? Oh, maybe they'll just use this for drugs, or, you know, how come he's strong and healthy and, you know, why don't he get a job? You know, the government has a lot of programs. How come he doesn't seek help? Do you, do you, do you have those mind, mind, you know, thinking? Some, sometimes it happens to us, isn't it? Do we judge a, a person before we go to help them? I heard a story like here in New Jersey, if you, your car breaks down, New Jerseyans will come and scold you. Why didn't you change the oil? Why didn't you check the tire? Why didn't you sign up for AAA? But after that, they will help you. But if you go in the south, they will scold you, and then they won't help you. They'll just leave you. So, so New Jersey still, yeah, it's in, it's in the stats. You know, you can Google it. New Jersey people will still help you, even though you'll, you'll hear something, you know. But at, at least they help you, amen? So do you only feel comfortable helping those who are just like you? Normally, isn't it? That's our tendency. Oh, I can help him because he's also a Filipino. Oh, he's from my own town, too. Yeah, I'll help him. Oh, well. oh yeah, we're in the same neighborhood. Oh, we. But, oh, he looks different. 
Oh, he smells different. Oh, I, I can't help. Do you have that kind of, you know, sometimes thoughts? Do you let the color of their skin, the length of their hair, or the style of their clothing determine to whom you will love as you love yourself? You see, our neighbor is anyone who needs help. Amen? Amen. Number two, loving your neighbor requires affection. Affection. It's not anyone, just not anyone, but also affection. As we know in the story, the priest looked on the victim that was robbed, left half dead, you know, but went on the other side. So the priest looked on the victim with a total lack of concern. All right? That's a bad connotation for priests, isn't it? Isn't it? They're holy men. They're supposed to be helpful. Remember in the Philippines, they wear wrong white robes. Oh, the holy men, righteous men. Moral good. Mabaitian. Mabaitian. Respect the man. But here, these are people who knows the law, isn't it? And in, in my commentary, it says, they avoided this thief because it will break the law of cleansing. Ritually, they are not supposed to touch unclean, defiled men. You know, he has blood. He is a, probably he's a Gentile, you know. So, but the other one is a Levite. They're, they rank lower than the priest. At least the Levite, as we read, look, isn't it? But still passed by on the other side. So he was curious. What happened to this guy? You know, he got robbed. He got beaten. You know, he's in a dire situation. But look, he was curious, but he left. And then came the Samaritan. He looked upon the victim, but the Bible says, as we read, when he saw him, he had what? Compassion. The other one has just no concern. The other one was curious, but praise be to God, the Samaritan has compassion. And we know the Jews hate the Samaritans because they are mixed blood. They are not full-fledged Jews. They were tainted by the Assyrian blood. You know, they have another way of worship in Mount Gerizim. And, and you know, remember the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus saved? When all the other disciples went out to get food, he said, I'll stay here because I have business with my father. You see, he's still concerned about the welfare of the Gentiles, of the Samaritans, the mixed breed, isn't it? And, and she, he witnessed to her and, and she got saved because she knows all things. And we know that, oh, we are taught to worship God in this mountain because the Jews worship in Jerusalem, we worship here in Samaria. And they hate them, and for a Jew to go to Samaria is indespicable. They have to go around because they consider that place unholy, unclean. But look at this. This is a slap to the face of these Jewish religious people that the person that they hate is the one who helped. Amen? Showed compassion. The difference in the three men is that one had his feelings touched and responded to those feelings. You know? Isn't it? Uh, last time we said that there are three philosophies that we can see in the parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. They are the takers, the thieves. What is yours? is mine. What is mine is mine and what is yours is mine. And then comes, you know, the priests, the Levites, these are the keepers. What's mine is mine and you cannot take it. But the Samaritan are the givers. 
what is mine is thine, and you can have it if you need it. This is what the Good Samaritan showed here, compassion. You know, um, he's a good man, amen? And we know from the story, he took him into his own beast, you know, bound his woods, pouring in oil and wine. Of course, oh, <laughs> because disinfectant is sterilized. You know, it has enough germs on it to try to, you know, cure, uh, not cure the wounds, just disinfect it until they go to that, into that hospital so you can get the right medication and treatment. All right? And then he even gave a deposit and said to the host, if anything that you have to spend when I return, I will pay you in full. Even though he was hated, isn't it? He's a Samaritan, but he showed compassion. And Christ asked in verse 36, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, See how they despised the Samaritan? He did not even say the Samaritan. He said, He that. He cannot even Samaritan. He just used a generic term. He that showeth mercy on him. See how they are you know, discriminating against this group of people. He that, he did not even say the name Samaritan. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise in verse 37. You know, and we see there is no mention of the victim, victim's response to the kindness of the Samaritan. Why? Because loving your neighbor is not contingent on his sense of appreciation. We have to have a kind of love, like we've been studying about brotherly love or uh, degrees of love a while ago in our Sunday school. We have to kind of, this is the only time I'll say nice about Nike. I think I have a slide here, just do it kind of love, amen? I know they drop off uh, their sponsorship with uh, Steph Carey and Manny Pacquiao when they stood for the truth, you know? But this is the only good thing I'm going to say about Nike. All right? Just do it kind of love. Amen? No expectation of reward or appreciation. That's the kind of love we need to exercise. Amen? Toward one another and toward the Lord. Number three, loving your neighbor is not only your neighbor is anyone. Need uh, affection but also action. It's not enough to be concerned. It's not enough to feel compassion. You have to get involved. You have to get, as they said, a little blood on your toga, dirt on your kneecaps. You have to invest some of your time and give of your treasures. Amen? Oh, we have we heard a great message about giving our treasures to God this morning. You have to do whatever it takes to take care of your neighbor just as you do whatever it takes to take care of yourself. And I could relate to this. Thank God we have a good spirit of brotherly love here in this church in our household of faith you know last um, Sunday uh, I asked uh, three guys here in our church uh, you know who you are for some muscle help because uh, I see these guys always work out they look strong and he said um, in our house in Fairlawn as you know we've been renovating it we have like a 500-600 pound old bathtub that we need to move out from the premise you know and um I know uh, Brother Lino is a he-man, but uh yung pagkahima niya for the meantime, all right? So we need some help. And right away, they went with me, went to the place, and they, wow, we're able to, you know, lift it up and move it to uh, the place where it's supposed to go. 
And uh, I was thinking, we tried to do it, you know, Brother Alex, Brother Lino, and me. Stuff. Then came those two other brothers. And para sa kanila, parang nagbubuhat lang sila ng langka. You know? So, wow. I was impressed. Brotherly love. Help. You know, you ask for help and you can count on them. And there's a lot here in our church that do that. You know why? Because they learn how to do that because the love of God is in their hearts. And if they love God, they can also love the brethren. Final thoughts. You can't love God until you first accept His love for you. You have to be born again. Amen? To experience God's love and be able to share it to others. So second thought, do you love God with the same wholehearted love He loved you or shown for you? So let's not love Him half-heartedly. And third thought, are you loving others as you love yourself? As we found out and reminded of, all moral responsibility hinges on these two affection, these two love, loving God and loving each other. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for this uh, simple lesson you've taught us. Thank you, Lord, that it what motivates us to do what we do in the church. That's why we give to our faith promise giving, our tithes and offering. It's all for the love of the ministry, our love for God. Because it's the least thing that we can do after everything you've done for us. Lord, um, we know that uh, the month of February, we just had that um, Agape Fellowship Love Banquet. And thank you, Lord, for that kind of love that we felt and experienced toward one another that we are willing to to share what we have to others and uh, it's a wonderful thing to to see in the life of a church but we know Lord our world this fallen world need that kind of love uh, they're seeking for real love true love God's love because uh, we know that love is being abused nowadays all in the name of love, you have to be tolerant. Oh, and, 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 and truth is being uh, forsaken because of the banner of love. But we thank you, Lord, that the, the definition of what true love is, is always from the scriptures. As uh, we heard our ladies a while ago recite that charity, agape love, is not self-seeking, is not boastful. Seek it not its own, but Lord, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice it in the truth. It bears all things. And all this wonderful passage of Scripture, Lord, and that's the greatest definition of God's love, the, the agape kind of love, that unconditional, sacrificial, eternal love. And we know, Lord, that we cannot love you with all our heart, with our soul, with our mind, if we don't have you in our lives. So we're just thankful, Lord, today that we just don't worship you, we just don't adore you, but we thank you that we personally know you through the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, as we're looking at this world, what we're living in today, we know there's so much hatred, confusion, indifference, discrimination. And man is still looking for the solution, for some peace, for some love. But thank you, Lord, that we have 
the answer. We have something to share to them. And uh, thank you, Lord, for your promise that one day you will return as the choir had sung that blessed hope you will set things right. We know that it will come a time that love will permeate, especially when we get to glory. But right now, Lord, help us to continue to exercise and experience love in our own families, in our community, and even our church family here. And if you're here today, if you've never experienced God's love, why not call upon Him, ask Him to save you? If you're a believer here or a Christian, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Maybe you know somebody, a co-worker, a friend, who's looking for the love of God. Maybe the Lord wants you to do a, an extra mile of being compassionate and patient and extend that loving care for that person. Who knows? The Lord will use that kind gesture or a smile or an extra helping hand to win that person to the Lord Jesus Christ. That they will see, oh, you're different. You have the image of God in you, stamped. I'd like to know more about your God. As you said in your word, the world will know that we are truly your disciples if we love one another. And we know, Lord, we have faults. We have different personalities and backgrounds. Sometimes we get into each other's nerves, so to speak. We have we can become too strong or too offensive, but we know, Lord, that love, true love, God's love, covers and hides multitudes of sin, as you said in your word. And thank you, Lord, that your love is real, is truthful. And thank you, Lord, that we have that love when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. Lord, so as we close this prayer, as your people pray, help us to continue to love thee with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our mind. And help us, Lord, to love one another and our fellow men as ourselves. And we can only do this by your grace, Lord. And as the days go by, Lord, give us an opportunity. Give us an open door to show that love by sharing the gospel of Jesus, by witnessing to others what we had received and what we had experienced. And help us, Lord, to have the spirit of humility and forgive one another and to bear one another's burdens and be compassionate toward one another because this is what we all need. And thank you, Lord, for our children. Lord, help them to continue to develop their spiritual walk with you. Lord, continue to bless also our brethren who are not here with us. Uh, some are in the bed of sickness and we truly miss them physically, but we know, Lord, that you love them throughout, throughout eternity and you are near them and you will comfort them and strengthen them. I know, Lord, that they are praying for us and may they know your special kind of love, Lord, during these trying times and uh, keep them safe, Lord. And we pray now, Lord, that you bless us all together and bless the rest of this uh, evening and even the coming week. Guide us and keep us safe. Give us good health. Give us strength to serve you and serve others. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.